You're listening to the Gab Street Podcast, Columbus, Ohio's number one podcast for underground talent. Every week we have new conversations with interesting individuals who contribute to the Columbus economy and its lively culture. You may find just what you're looking for right in your backyard. Let's get right into it. Gentlemen, Alex, James. Hello. What's going on? Not much. What about you? We're back just like every Wednesday morning with the hottest underground talent in the United States. No, it's, it's Columbus. It's probably it's the United States, too. Well, the, the hottest talent in Columbus is the hottest talent in the United States. This is true. That's yes. the best way to look at it. If you look at a map of the United States, Ohio does look like the heart. So, at least that's my opinion. And then 270 kind of looks like the heart of Columbus. See, it all comes together. Ohio's um, <laughs> license plate slogan was the heart of it all. Really? Yeah. When I was a kid, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Not really like the birthplace of aviation or something, something like, like that. that. Uh, something like yeah. that. Something fucking lame. Like Shouldn't you whatever. know this a little better since Ohio? <laughs> My dad literally worked on the titling system for Ohio. I should probably know that. Um, so, James. Yes. You do It's All Been Done Radio Hour. Is that correct? I do. The award-winning show. That's true. I yes. like to throw that out there just to makes it sound like better, right? So mm-hmm. what awards have you won, Jay? Uh, we won a, um, a Seabus Top Pick. Okay. No. <laughs> no, I don't think we're eligible for the Tonys. Seabus <laughs> well, Top shame. Pick is done by the Dispatch every year, and last okay. year we were named a Best Hidden Gem in Columbus. One of the Best Hidden Gems. They, were, they named three top picks. Okay. And we know we weren't number one, but they don't tell you if you're two or three, so... Fair enough. One Fair of enough. the top picks. That's we also cool. won some Audioverse Awards our first year out. Nice. Awesome. We won for our category Best New Show. Yeah. So, a couple of awards. And we won an OGP Award. I don't know if you've heard of OGP, but they're a hmm. local... Uh, they do a Fringe Fest every year, as well as some uh, smaller shows run by a man named Stephen Woosley. Cool production company. Awesome. But, yeah. Cool. And didn't... You guys won something at... um. Columbus Podcast Awards too, didn't you? Uh, you were we were a, a finalist. finalist. We were a finalist. Okay. Oh, cool. We were in comedy with uh, Dino Tripodis, Whiskey Business. And uh, okay. I've given Dino crap. I'm like, why did you go in his comedy? You should have won your culture or something because he's interviewing. He's like, I'm funny. I'm like, you're funny, but you're, you're a talk show. He's a talk show. Uh, no disrespect to Whiskey Business. I love it. Listen to every episode. I've been a guest on that one as well. But cool. yeah, uh, I was a little frustrated. He was in comedy because Dino is so big. Of course he's going to win. He got podcast of the year too. Yeah, they yeah. did. That was cool. I, uh, yeah. I got to meet those guys briefly. I think uh, they're they're kind of associated with um, Ohio Be the World too. I think yeah. with uh, Alex Hasty. So I yeah. I've listened to I don't know. I think the first full two seasons of um, of Ohio Be the World. So it was pretty Thanks. cool to meet those guys. But yeah, um, they're happening again this coming year in 2020. Uh, I know this is very very early, but uh, last year, they happened the day before my birthday. So it would be a really cool uh, b- birthday present if you were to vote for Cap Street this year uh, in 2020 so we can beat and all, it's all been done. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll vote for you if you're not nominated against me. <laughs> no shade. We're in the society and culture. Perfect. Project, so. Oh, so, Perfect. so he was going to shift uh, Dino into you then. Yeah, and Dino's my buddy. I might, oh. I might not be able to vote for you against Dino. I don't know. See how it is. I voted against Dino this year. Sorry, Dino. But <laughs> See, if we're not competing against him. 
I can now claim that I have been part of Columbus Podcast beef. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> at least that's how you know you've made it is when you have haters. You know what I mean? So we made it. We made it. Pedestrians were there. Uh, <laughs> so describe the show that you do. This award-winning show. Sure. It's a modern geeky comedy in the style of old-timey radio serials. Nice. So. The material's modern. It's not dated at all. Um, but we are putting on radio plays, like the days of old. We've got a Foley artist. We've got actors doing voices. Uh, actors playing lots of different parts. And it's a fun show. We've been going for a long time. Awesome. Yeah. And you founded this, right? I did. Okay. And Created it myself. Awesome. What what kind of what passions led to the the genesis of of this? So I consider myself primarily a writer. That's my yeah. passion. That's what I love to do. Uh, I've put out a couple like self-published novels on Amazon. Don't look for them. Um, <laughs> and just did not know how to market them. Did not know how to get them out there. Little and, did you know I have a copy of it. Oh, God. Please don't. Um, nah. <laughs> but I was uh, thinking about the next novel I wanted to write. And then I thought maybe I should try a different format to see if I could get something out there that people could see. And uh, I'd been listening, I've been listening to podcasts forever, and I was listening to a program called Thrilling Adventure Hour. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm. Possibly, it's such a vague name. It is. <laughs> it is. So like, I feel like I have, but I don't know. <laughs> um, that was created by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker. It starred uh, Paget Brewster, Paul F. Tompkins, Joshua Molina, Busy Phillips, um, Mark Evan Jackson, Mark Gigliardi, I have a whole bunch of people on a reason. I feel bad I'm going to leave out people's names, but there's a lot of great actors that were regulars on that show. And it ran in L.A. Uh, once a month for 10 years. And right about that time, I'd gotten into it, and I was binging it like crazy, and they announced, hey, we're bringing the show to an end after 10 years running. And they'd only podcasted the last half of it. The first half, gone to the ages, I guess. Wow. Um, and I was so disappointed. And as I was thinking about oh, how much I'm going to miss this show, uh, it occurred to me... I could write my own radio hour. Um, they did it in the style of yesteryear, which I respect the hell out of. And if I could do that, I may have attempted it, but I can't. So I figured I'll steal the format, but make it my own material. And I didn't see anybody else doing a show like that. So it felt like a niche, niche I could slide right into. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, I had never heard of anything like it yeah. around here, too. So that's really cool. A lot of people tell me they don't know anything else like it. I mean, we have actors that drive hours to perform with us. Wow. And we've had over 75 guest stars on the show as well, besides our regular troupe. So we certainly have attracted people from further away. We had a cast member for the first few years that lived in the state of Delaware and would wow. drive here monthly to perform. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. She moved to Seattle and left the show. <laughs> she, uh, didn't, she didn't oh, drive all on. the way back from Seattle. I know. What? One of our cast uh, members moved to Arizona. He stayed in the show another year and now is just doing like twice a year. Uh, we've got a couple guys that live in Maslin, Ohio that drive down every month. We have a girl that was I just started attending the University of Miami of Ohio when we started, which is about two hours away. Yeah. And she's still in the show now that she's graduated. She comes down every month. Um, so, yeah, we've got a – they're not just Columbus people, even though our heart is here and this is our home and we're not going anywhere. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So how, how, what's, uh, how did those people get involved initially? So initially uh, I spent a long planning time, uh, about six months just – figuring out how it was going to work, the types of stories I wanted to tell, the characters that are going to be a part of it. And during that time, I put out a casting net 
any website I could think of. I didn't know anything about the local theater community. I wasn't involved. Didn't know where to go to find actors. So I posted everywhere I could think of. Craigslist, of course, but Backpage and Auditions and Ohio Film <coughs> site or whatever. Because uh, there's... Uh, I can't remember the organization that supports filming movies in uh, Ohio. MOFA, Mid-Ohio Film Festival. There you go. That's the one. So uh, reached out to them, just posted everywhere, and uh, the people that tried out found this in a variety of places. Um, I know several people said they did find us on Craigslist, so that one worked. <laughs> but yeah, That's just awesome. cast a white net, got a lot of auditions. Thankfully got enough auditions I could be a bit picky and turn people down and pick the <laughs> ones I wanted. And um, Almost the entire original cast is still with us wow. four and a half years later. That's so That's cool. Really or three cool. and a half years later, sorry. No, four and a half. <laughs> yeah, you started in 2015, right? We did. Yeah. yeah, the time gets away for me. It all blurs together. <laughs> I was like, I feel like that math doesn't add up, but I don't know math well enough. I'm just going to let them <laughs> Yeah, no, we've done uh, 54 monthly shows at this point. Wow. That's crazy. Never missed a month. Never missed a podcast release. Always. That's something to celebrate. Yes. <laughs> Oh, are we? Let's talk about it. Yes, let's do it. I was just say, I, I'm not yes. nowhere near the model of consistency, so I feel like it's disingenuous if I clap. And that, that is something that both of us have a specific respect for, that not a lot of oh, people yeah. who may be, uh, you know, casual consumers of podcasts, uh, if you can say that, um, mm-hmm. may not understand is that consistency factor and how much that can take you down if you don't do it. You know what I mean? Uh, we've been, this is episode 49, so we haven't missed a week in about 11 months, something like that, Mm -hmm. and that's, uh, that's been, like, the co-host that you saw on the sign earlier, uh, uh, shout out Gage that you saw two episodes ago, um, he had to, he had to skip out, because, I mean, the... The, the dedication was, was too much, you know. Yeah. I was I was the one that had the higher drive for it. So, you know, it if you if, if you haven't checked out like the culture that happens here, there's a lot of work that goes into it. And you know, sometimes that's the thing about Columbus specifically too, and I'll I'll get to that quote that we discussed uh, here in a moment, but <clears throat> it is harder to get an audience in Columbus. That's not that, that that's you know, that's pretty widely known here. Um, that makes what is actually created and put time into and and you know so much energy is dedicated to these things it makes it so much purer you know what i mean it's it's harder to do it for the money in in columbus uh don't quote me on that um but i will (laughs) okay please do impossible i would say nearly impossible to do it for the money in columbus yeah so it's all for the love here yeah. Pretty much, not all. You get you get some dosh, but like it's 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 more difficult. So I, I think uh, the fact that people are actually you know making it making it work, making it happen. Uh, much respect to the fact that you can actually you you were able to keep it going. You know, based off of mostly passion in the people around you. So I think that's really huge. Well, having like I mentioned, most of the original cast is still with us. Having a group of people that show up month after month and play these characters year after year. It's gone. Yeah. I mean. I could write whatever I wanted to write, but if I didn't have this cast who have stuck with me all this time, that show wouldn't be half as good. Yeah. It really is important to see those characters evolve, played by the same actors. And I think that's part of what attracts actors to the project, is getting to play a character month after month, which is obviously if you're on a television show or something, you get to do that. But in Columbus, there really isn't another opportunity to do that. Yeah, that's yeah. true. You go do one show and then your character's done. 
Yeah. Not the case with our show. You, you guys weren't always at Mad Lab, is that correct? That's correct. We started at Pack Rat Comics in Hilliard, Ohio. Do you know who TJ Stopher is? I don't. <sighs> okay. I'm sorry. Uh, that's my cousin. He uh, he worked at Pack Rat for a while. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I I didn't uh, really know Pack Rat very well. I okay. have, was not a comic book guy. I've started reading comic books now. But my buddy was the one that was always, anytime he needed a space to do something, Pack Rat Comics. So we went to them, and they graciously gave us their side room where they play games and stuff. Nice. Um, Saturday evenings. Yeah, it, we were there for only eight months. Uh, they would have let us stay longer, but at that point, we were already filling their space, so we were looking to move to a theater. And that's when we found Mad Lab, who graciously made room for us in their schedule and moved us downtown, and we've been there since. Very nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah. What else happens at Mad Lab? Is, that, is, it a, is it a hub? Is it a spot for... I think so. Uh, yeah. Mad Lab as a company has been around 25 years. Oh, okay. They've only been in that building, the building on 3rd Street, uh, I want to say about 10 years. They uh, they do own their own building, which oh, is... Oh, only 10 years. Okay, whatever. Oh, the, <laughs> they own their own building, which is rare for a theater company in Columbus. And they're the city's original works theater. Nice. So the stuff they actually produce is original work that... Some of it has been performed in other cities once or twice, but not, not on Broadway, not known to people. Um, you know, it may have had some regional performance in Colorado or something before it came here. But yeah, these are... They go out there, they do three full-length plays a year. They do a shorts festival every spring called Theater Roulette, which is awesome. It's three nights of shorts. That they do fun. rotating over three weeks. It's Yeah, it's amazing. When and did they, you say that was? It's in May every year. Oh, that sounds fun. I want to go to that. You I should. Uh, they yeah. do the final day of the festival. They do Mad Lab Christmas, where they do all three sets of shorts in one day Ooh. at 2 p.m., 4 p.m., and 8 p.m. It's, nice. Yeah, I went last year. It was awesome. That's cool. And then they do a Young Writers program in July, which is high school students. They oh. produce works by high school students. They mentor them for several months, and they don't use high school actors. They, well, I mean, high school actors can audition if they want, but it's local community theater people acting um, and directed by Mad Lab directors. And putting on, like, these kids get to see their shows performed by basically professionals in a theater space. It's really cool to work with the kids in that way. Um, I mean, I, I'm i on the board of Mad Lab now since okay. I moved my show there and I've become pretty involved. So cool. uh, I definitely want to talk about that theater because I appreciate what they've done for us all this time. Yeah, I did some uh, community theater stuff in high school. It was, like, one or two years. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to claim to be a, a maestro or anything, but... Um, I got to play a potted plant on stage. Nice. So that was cool. Um, I was the Eeyore plant, and the other guy was the, uh, the ah, I'm super annoying and rambunctious kind of guy. So I, uh, <clears throat> and that was written by, like, I wasn't involved in the writing process, but I auditioned for it, and it was basically the same process, but just in our, like, little theater at, at, uh, at the high school. Um, it was like they had a, a theater class that they had during the day that they did for the semester and they would write those nice. during that so uh shout out to um oh no i can't for, i cannot forget that man's name varner yes shout out to mr varner uh, for actually <laughs> putting that together um maybe i'll have you on the show t someday that would be interesting but um so i have i have a bit of respect for for uh that setup as well 
Well, in MATLAB, um, they're also home to an improv troupe, Full Frontal Nudity, FFN. I've heard of that. They yeah. they, they, okay. don't, they perform clothed. They just uh, <laughs> call themselves Full Frontal Nudity, thinking it would get people to show up. Yeah, of Same course. Same principle as Bare Naked Ladies, my favorite band, obviously. <laughs> nice. Uh, by the title of the show. Um, yeah, and <laughs> they rent out the space for, I mean, there's a historical improv duo called The Means that perform there. There's an all-women sketch comedy, Double X sketch, that performs there. Um, some of my friends in Radio Hour and a few people outside Radio Hour, we wrote a play uh, a year and a half ago called um, Full Exposure, and we performed fully nude on stage. Wow! For two hours, and it was a like it was a script we'd written ourselves. It was about body issues, and uh, it was a bunch of friends getting together for a dinner party. But we talked about stuff, and yeah, they have the space where you can just go in and do stuff like that. Wow! Which was really cool. I mean, I don't know of any other shows that feature eight actors completely <laughs> naked on stage for 90 minutes, but... That sounds like something for Dirty Story Night. <laughs> it wasn't comedy, though. It was actually yeah. like a serious drama. Wow. Uh, and everybody that saw it, I mean, we've had, we had great reviews, although we did end the marriage, so that, that's always fun. Oh. Not because of anybody being new. There was <laughs> one of the couples of the show were breaking up, and that was kind of why they had the dinner party uh. to get their friends together, and somebody in the audience told us, late, we heard later through a friend had gone home and left her husband after seeing the show, saying that made her realize what she needed to do. Wow. So, That's, we not yeah. only performed nude, we ruined a marriage. Not ruined, but... I, I was okay. going to say, if anything, <laughs> you not saved the marriage because no. it ended, but you... Wait, anytime you spark emotional response yeah. to someone on that yeah. level, it feels like say. we did something important and good. I was going to say, that's got to be a powerful feeling. I don't know the people, and I'm really sorry that their marriage ended, but I hope they're happy, and I'm glad that we could play some part in helping them realize how they felt. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so, don't go breaking up with people based on Gav Street, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Do you think that could happen? <laughs> or if they do, uh, let you know, so you can yeah, tell bask them. in the glory of it. I don't know. I mean, you know, they hear Foz, they start to... <laughs> yeah, Foz has some really good opinions. He's been quiet today. That's surprising. Um, if, you're, if you've been an avid fan of the show, you know I have a very loud cat. Um, but he, uh, he hasn't voiced his opinions in a little while now. Go back and listen to episode 30 with Mike Lick. You'll, you'll, you'll hear it in five <laughs> seconds. Um, but one thing, I actually uh, didn't end up reading this out, but I wanted to read this quote real okay. quick. Uh, we started talking about it, and then we kind of left it. Um, so this quote on your website struck a chord with me uh, because, again, if people have been listening to the show, you know this is exactly what we're all about. Uh, and this is just better stated than anything I could write. So it says, uh, based in Columbus, Ohio, we seek to prove that not all American entertainment must come from the coast. Instead, the middle of the country can compete in this arena as well with quality offerings. And that goes into our mission of understanding that not only, like, th this this message applies to coastal cities, too, where maybe you're in a, a small town on the coast of Connecticut as well. Mm -hmm. There's a culture there, too, and you probably just don't know about it if you live there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This is, it just realize that you don't have to travel too far to find people that are making things that I mean at the very least that are mimicking something that is on the coast that is widely known and popular you know what I mean mm -hmm. um, like a, <clears throat> one one big part of this show we actually interview a lot of uh, rappers from from mm -hmm. this city we uh, were pretty involved in the, in the underground hip-hop scene and of course a lot of rappers well all artists start 
from a place of respecting another person. Sure. If you have a true passion, unless you are just completely on, in your own lane entirely, you are deriving something from someone else. And there are a lot of people that start off sounding a lot like someone that they have a lot of respect for. And you know what? That's fun, too, I think. And there are a lot of showcases of that around here. Um, and I think it's just important to understand um, that you don't have to go very far. So thank you for putting that on your website. Sure. It's very important to understand. Um, and like we discussed earlier, it's a little bit difficult to do it for the money in Columbus. Uh, and also the mission of this show is to make that easier too so that people do understand that you know it's worth it to pay for something of quality around <laughs> here and you know if, if you do pay for it it just starts the you know the, the quality will come from that too you're mm. you're feeding it it's it's oh, yeah. the culture economy you know Absolutely. what i mean so i think that's important to understand so let's see here what are some stories from your best and worst performances of Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, worst story I've got, and uh, this was real awful, and I'm not going to name names, but we were in the middle of a performance once, and another theater, co theater company had rented the space for a show after ours, and apparently had not let their people know we were going to be there performing in the space. So there's a side door to the stage that opens right out to the parking lot. Somebody opens the door, sees we're performing, Closes it again. Honest mistake. That's totally forgivable. That person then opens the door again, leaves it open, walks right through the middle of the stage while we're performing, and goes to the back. Uh, and then some other people came in while we were still performing, and then they, uh, like, railed at Matt, the Mad Lab people that we were in their space and we weren't supposed to be. And they're like, no, we knew it was in your... You know, we let you know this group performs here every month. It was bad. That theater company itself is no longer performing anywhere. <laughs> that sounds um, like we took care of them. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, it was, certainly wasn't us. But just uh, call out there real quick. If you ever see somebody perform, be respectful. Don't be a jerk about it. We'd yeah. really appreciate it. Yeah. We're nice. We try to be welcoming to everybody else that comes into that space. We would hope we get the same courtesy. And Mad Lab, to their credit, defended us and stood up for us and, you know, has worked with other companies to make those transitions smooth. So it, it was a one-off thing, but man, it, it sucked. It really demoralized all of us, I think. It threw, to the actor's credit, they kept going, but it nice. threw, threw me off for sure. I, I can't even fun. imagine. It's hard enough just trying to perform, mm -hmm. do everything, the crowd's in front of you. And then you have that going on, <laughs> like... Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that was pretty ugly. That, just, that makes me anxious just even thinking about it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that reminds me of the time, uh, that, that improv class I was talking about earlier uh, that my uncle teaches. Shout out Jeff Gage, first of all. Um, I... Hi. Uh, I tripped going on stage at the very beginning of the improv show. And I ate shit and just slammed my face on the stage. <laughs> and then I stood up and I said, that was improv. <laughs> Anything's improv if you sell it well enough. Yeah, sure. 
I've fallen on stage during a performance before. In high school, I was a filler on the roof. Opening number tradition, you're running around in a circle dancing. I wiped out completely right in the center stage in the middle of the opening number. Jumped right back up and kept dancing. Nice. That's something to celebrate. But yeah. everybody gave me crap about it for years afterwards. <laughs> I was only a freshman at the time, so oh, no. never lived it down. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I mean, you gotta throw a little uh, ad-libs in there, you know. Speaking of ad-libs, do you want to give us some podcast ad-libs real quick? Oh, God. You have to do it. It's part of the uh, show. Unless you want to try it. Yeah, actually, you're, normally, you're more qualified. My, my, uh, my, <laughs> I'll explain the lore here real quick. Uh, so, the, the Gab Street lore. The Gab Street um, lore. <laughs> so, the co-host that I typically have on, uh, Zay Crypto... is not me. It's, it's not he him. He looks a little bit different. A little bit. Um, <laughs> and he... He's a rapper. He does. Mm-hmm. He okay. He wouldn't say I'm not a rapper. I'm an artist. That's what sure. he would say. But uh, no, no diss. I was just right. say, do you want to do a better uh, impersonation? <laughs> Let's. Uh, I'll write a diss track on him. <laughs> um, but he usually starts off the episodes with uh, a little rap ad lib, but mm-hmm. for uh, for for podcasts. So like scoot up, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Sure. So if either of you want to attempt this episode maybe it should be your turn Corey no it's never my turn (laughs) (laughs) have you read the lore (laughs) I want to hear some ad libs Alec uh uh, I got I got nothing man I'll I'll sample that there we go (laughs) good enough (laughs) okay so um you've also done other projects sure Am I correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't your entire life. It's, I, it's all been done. Um, so it's you also, a lot of it. It's a lot I of it, yeah. I wouldn't even imagine. An 80-page script every month, it's a lot of it. <laughs> That's crazy. I would love to... What, what's the process of that? I gotta, like... How, how long does that take? What's the preparation process? I am a quicker writer than most people, I would okay. say. Um, the writing itself... Uh, I'll sit down there... Typically, in an 80-minute show, we have four separate segments. Hmm. Um, we have, like, ten different series that are ongoing, and then, you know, we perform some of them. Um, I'll sit down, and I can pound out one of those 20-minute stories in an hour or so, hour and a half. Um, but I've usually, the better ones anyway, have spent some time thinking about it while I'm driving around or in the shower or whatever before I sit down. So I kind of already know where it's going. I will say I'm a stream of consciousness writer, mm-hmm. so sometimes I've got my idea of where it's going, and I go in a totally different direction, and it ends up being completely different. Um, that certainly happened. And then I'll do a few passes, uh, not that day, but on a, a few times before I send it to anybody else, I'll go through it again. And then I send it to some cast members to look at it and give me feedback or notes or catch typos or whatever. And then I'll do a, another pass before we send it to the actors. But I'd say each script gets... Hopefully four or five passes, um, which isn't a lot, honestly. And most of the scripts don't change significantly from the original. It's more like, I'm going to add a joke or tweak a line or Mm. let's drop something for the continuity that we'll pick back up later. It's not, it's very rare I'd rewrite a whole scene, let alone a whole segment. So yeah, it's kind of like a train that just keeps going. I tend to not write more than one episode at a time though, so... At least once a week, I'll try to sit down and write a, a segment. But if I try to write two or three in a row, I feel like they get worse as time <laughs> goes on. So just coming in fresh, having thought about the story. And there are times where I just don't know where I'm going to go. So I just sit down and start writing and see where it goes. Cool. But that's rare. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> 
Did you have a question? Yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. <okay. laughs> uh, when you were you were saying earlier, I don't remember if you said it on here or when you were talking to us before, but about how like you've had the chance to work with these same people, yes. have them build their <laughs> characters up. That definitely helps a lot, right? Because you're like. When you have that actor in mind, mm-hmm. and then you know everything about how they do things, and then you're thinking about how it fits in the story, it just, that definitely helps, right? Like, does it, does it get easier the further in you're going when you're tearing through the webs and the narrative webs, I should say, narrative threads, not narrative <laughs> webs? <laughs> it depends on the segment how easy it is. There are some segments that are easier to write than others. Uh, I do think writing the existing characters is easier than writing the new characters mm-hmm. for sure. Um, being able to hear those voices in my head and know how they perform and what they do. All of the actors uh, at one time or another have thrown in their own little improv bits or punched up the lines and I encourage that for sure because some of the best laughs come from the stuff they add to it. You know, yeah. I'm not one of those people that's precious about my words at all. Um, so yeah, I, I will say uh, I will write to what they've performed. If they perform it during a show, it's now canon, and I have to make it work. And there have been a few That's times cool. where I'm like, why did you put that in canon? I don't want that there. But I think there's only been once or twice where I've actually edited the audio and cut something out that I was just like, okay, no. <laughs> um, for the most part, what they perform makes it in, and I just have to write around it. And I will say uh, something I've done for the last year and a half, which I think has made the writing easier, is uh, twice a year now I'll sit down with a few of the interesting cast members and tell them what what the storylines are coming up, the character arcs coming up, and let them weigh in and pitch ideas and... And that sort of thing. And I feel like that's made the stories better. I mean, we've always done that. We've always gone out for drinks after the show. And I've talked about the storylines and given them spoilers on what's coming up. And they've told me their ideas. But now we've formalized that process. And so I'm not working from nothing. I have pages of notes. I have things. And I I will say I haven't written every episode of the show. We have had other people occasionally write. I've written probably 90 to 95% of it. But... Um, one of the cast members, Nick Argenbright, he's written probably a dozen episodes over the course of over the couple hundred that we've done. So uh, it, it, I love having somebody else come in. I mean, if he submits a script, I'm going to rewrite it. I'm going to do my passes on it uh, a lot more than I rewrite my own material because I want to make sure it fits in the tone mm-hmm. and everything makes sense to what's coming. But he has ideas I, I would never have. So it's great when somebody else wants to toss their hat in and help move the story along. That's cool. Yeah. What what's uh, what's one of the the funniest or mo- like when you say that they they ad lib something and you're like, well now that has to be canon. Uh-huh. What's one of the like the strangest or goofiest or like something that you just you were just so much like oh my gosh, but then it like built up or like was that was there anything that became something really cool out of an improv if that makes sense? I'm, I'm sure there are. That. Um... I'm sure there are. Uh, the thing that the one that springs to mind the most for me is we have a character named Grezith the Green in one of our segments. Yale Kravitz chosen one. He's a monster, a big eight foot tall, scaly thing with five arms and whatever. Um, he was a one off guest character that I put in one of our like the second episode of that series, and the actor was not in the troupe that played him. He came in, but he was dating somebody in the troupe, so he he had seen the first show as an audience member, and. Um, there was a throwaway line that was scripted that after they beheaded him, some the one guy goes, well, he's dead, right? Well, beheading doesn't always kill. <laughs> it was a joke. But we loved him so much that I was like, okay, he's not dead. And that person quickly, right, Yoey, uh, quickly became a troop member 
because then he earned other parts. But that character of Grizzly Green is a lead character of the segment because of that. That's awesome. (laughs) What he and Ryan has to improv something new for Grezzin in every episode. I swear. <laughs> Early on, he decided Grezzin liked iced cream and says it very specifically and weird. So he started throwing that in. So then I'd write that in. So then he'd take that and he'd top it. Oh, I like esophageal adolescent iced cream. Like, And he... I don't know. Ryan finds some way to add something to Grezzin I'm not expecting every single time. That's he's awesome. he's made Grezzit flirty with certain characters in the cast. <laughs> like, oh, his Joshy Washy. He's always flirting with Josh. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> and you just go with it. Um, I think he came up with his pet name for his significant other that when he started the show, he had had a mate that we hadn't seen. And eventually his mate showed up to reclaim him. And he didn't go. But he <laughs> called him his beloved bumpkin, Blumpkin. <laughs> So I was like, okay, that was not something I think I would have ever thought to script. And then it became a thing where he said it a lot. He named his own weapon Mr. Smashy, his mace. That was all Ryan. So there are certainly, yeah. I will say, coming up with a pet name for the other, the mate that would go with Blumpkin was, oh, I named him Felchy. So they were Felchy and Blumpkin. (laughs) Yeah. That's uh, wonderful. And like, there are other actors that have thrown in so many great things, but Ryan Yoey's the first one that springs to mind because of what he's done with Grasset. That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I have one more question for you before we get a break. Sure. Real quick. Um, something I'm curious about, because I think it was episode 45, I had uh, Cecil Heyman on, who is mm-hmm. uh, he's a local comedian, stand-up comedian. He's been uh-huh. doing it for about five years. And I wanted to know how interconnected maybe... Uh, <clears throat> the Mad Lab scene is with stand-up comedy in any way, is it? i say Mad Lab's more connected with improv than stand-up comedy. Okay. Um, stand-up comedy in town, I feel like, is mainly concentrated at Funny Bone and Shadowbox, mm-hmm. as far as I can tell. Uh, I've certainly seen some, and we've had some stand-up comedians come in. Um, Travis Irvine opened for one of our shows, okay. and then guest started a show. He played a alien named Commandant AIDS. Um <laughs> Yeah, he was, I, I love Travis. He's great. And he also, um, my friend, uh, she was managing director of Mad Lab until recently, Nikki Smith, every year. Do, are you, is this an explicit podcast? Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> she does a benefit in June called Fuck Cancer Cabaret. And nice. there's always a couple stand-ups that'll come be a part of that. I know Dustin Meadows has done some. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. But yeah, there's certainly been some stand-ups there. They've done open mic nights a few nights in Mad Lab, and we've had comedians show up. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I, I'm personally trying to get more involved in the uh, stand-up comedy scene around here, so I think uh, that would be really cool. to if, if you guys were open to having a few more, that would be awesome. We, at the moment, we don't have a permanent opener for our show, um, but we are certainly... Uh, and we're not, not me doing the comedy. Don't worry. I'm oh. not asking for, oh. you for a guest slot. Corey wants, yeah, Corey wants a free guest slot. No, right, uh, exactly. He invited you here. We're not out there actively <laughs> soliciting opening acts, but if somebody wants to open for us, we'll, we are certainly like, let's talk. Um, because That's we've true. enjoyed... We've had some great opening acts in the past. It's just we've got so many other things to do for the show yeah. that it's something we've chosen not to spend our energy on, not because we don't appreciate it, but... Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, we had uh, Savage Tech open for us. They're Doctor Sick, the Sick World of Doctor Show. Nice. Uh, we've had uh, Truly Awesome. Uh, it's a so that shows that they're going kind of a 
an, a transformation right now, and it wasn't actually the truly awesome show, but it was some other artistic project that truly scrumptious is the uh, stage name of one of the performers was working on that was like pre-recorded video, but there was some dancing and it was just some neat stuff. We've had stand-up comics, we've done some just like live interactive games with the audience, uh, The Good, The Bad, The Geeky, which is more of a talk podcast open for us a bunch of times. Nice. Um, so yeah, yeah, we love having openings of some sort. Cool. Well, keep that in mind, pedestrians. Feel free to reach out, Jim, at itsallbeendoneradiohour.com. Awesome. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Sure. We're in about five, 35 minutes. We're about about five minutes. Um, Sounds right. Wow, gonna, that five minutes went quick. Right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to hear a quick message from Joseph Keith, a.k.a. Pussy Boy. Mm. And uh, he is sponsoring the podcast for the month of the month of 2020, uh, the month of January. So it's a good month. Also, G and G Enterprises. Don't forget, we are sponsored by G and G Enterprises. We'll be right back after this quick message. What's up, y'all? It's your boy Joseph Keith, aka Pussy Boy, aka Pussy Boy Joe, live and direct to At These Niggas Next. You are currently listening to the Gab Street Podcast, your number one source for Columbus underground talent. With guests ranging from musical acts all the way to community political leaders, the Gap Street Podcast is one to keep up with. And they make it easy with weekly uploads to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and many more podcast streaming services. You can catch my sit-down with Corey and the gang on episode 29, where we discuss my music, inspiration, experience a couple laughs, and even share some stories. While you're at it, type in Joseph Keith on your search bar and stream my newest project, Quincy Part 1. You can reach out and let me know what you think on Instagram at the Joseph Keith. That's T H E J O S E P H K E I T H. Thanks for tuning in today. Enjoy the rest of the show and remember to support your locals before they go global. Just talk, I walk it, uh Baby, you need me Just like I need you Let me hit your hotline I'm trying to slide through Big time, double, uh Can't stop, wanting, uh Trying to spend it all on you Today's episode is sponsored by It's All Been Done Radio Hour, an award-winning modern geeky comedy in the style of old-timey radio serials that's performed at Mad Lab on 3rd Street on the second Saturday of every month at 5 p.m. It's a night of sketch comedy written by Jerome Wetzel and acted out by a large dedicated cast with tons of memorable stories. It's a -a one-of-a-kind experience that you can't get anywhere else. Discover the Columbus Theater scene with It's All Been Done Radio Hour. Tickets to the show can be bought for $5 at madlab.net slash tickets. That's M-A-D-L-A-B dot net slash tickets. And you can listen to the live performances as a podcast on all platforms. Stay up to date with them by supporting at patreon.com slash I-A-B-D. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash I-A-B-D and gain access to exclusive content. You can find them on Instagram at IABD Presents and at IABDPresents.com and it's all been done RadioHour.com. Now back to the Gab Street Podcast. Can I tell them about the bread? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so Revolter did a skit called Roasted Turkey. Yeah. And in it, he played a character that really liked bread at, at the dinner party. And uh, he was sitting there, and he was—he had a loaf of—he was just eating a loaf of bread, like from the store. And he was like, or no, she was like, "Where'd you get that from?" He's like, 
Uh, from the store. Supermarket. <laughs> Supermarket. Yeah, actually, that was a completely improv character that just... Oh, really? I, I was only supposed to have the one line because I was trying to focus harder on directing. Oh, for really? That. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this bread's good for parties. And I, just... <laughs> and I bring that up every time I see him because I think it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> so, um, before we started recording... Uh, you were talking about, more about another character that may be recurring. Oh, well, we were talking about the audition process. Oh, audition and, process, okay. Yeah, and how uh, I, you know, we do age-blind casting, we do race-blind casting. Obviously, anybody can play anything in a show like this. Um, we generally try to do gender-blind casting. We have had females play males and male play f- females, or most of our characters can be either gender. I'll write it for whatever the performer. But I had a woman reach out to me once and complain that, in the audition packet, most of the good roles were for men. And I was like, did you not see the part of the packet that says, audition for whatever role you want? I don't care if you're a man or a woman. <laughs> I guess she did it. We've made it more clear in the packet. But in trying to do that, I wrote a character that I put as Heath slash Heather. Um, because I'm like, well, this could be either character. It's just some random bystander that the police interview on the street. <laughs> One of my cast members decided the character's name was actually Heath Heather. And he was, he or she was... Uh, non-binary gender and very flamboyant and he wore a pink feather the actor being he wore a pink feather boa on stage and started flirting with the cops and so (laughs) it was really funny and we all really enjoyed it so when we saw the before I ended that segment because that segment's no longer running I did make sure we brought back that character and one of the cops was now dating that character oh god um, because I was like we just love that character so much <laughs> it's, you find a way to do bring them back I love that that's great so I thought he had great chemistry with the cop I, I liked it a lot had that segment continued we would have seen Heath Heather a lot more <laughs> The, uh, what made the segment end, or what what makes segments end in general? So we've ended two segments in four and a half years. Um, okay. Don't have any immediate plans to end anymore. The first one was called The Scary Dead. It was a zombie one. It only ran ten episodes. And honestly, what I had planned on doing it was, I feel like in zombie, like The Walking Dead, I love The Walking Dead, but the characters just survive forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'd think in an apocalypse like that, most groups would get wiped out pretty quickly. Yeah. So, of course, a TV show you're going to follow the ones that survive, but my idea for The Scary Dead was every time we did that segment, it would be a different cast of characters that would all die. However, (laughs) (laughs) I had extreme problems writing that, and I left the first episode vague enough that two of the characters might have survived, even though they really shouldn't have. So I took those two characters and did nine more episodes with them. Okay. Um, But it was very clear that it was a segment I didn't have a lot of ideas for, um, I think what was there, I liked. I, I definitely felt like we made good episodes of it, but I knew I didn't have the staying power on that, so I decided to make it a limited run, short series, closed it off. Okay. Um, the second one that ended was Porn Star Detectives, <laughs> which I loved. Uh, it was two women that were porn stars by day and detectives at night, or vice versa, <laughs> depending on their filming schedules. And they were really dumb, really dumb, but so sweet. <laughs> And they tried really hard, and I don't think they actually legitimately ever solved a case. But they usually got to some sort of answer or made themselves feel like they solved it enough to continue. And I liked those characters. I liked the voices they did. But the show started in 2015, as you know. And by, not to get too political, but by the election of 2016, some of us were feeling very dejected. 
and felt like it wasn't cool to make fun of women in any manner anymore. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're going to make fun of men and women in the show. But that segment felt wrong for the time period we were performing it in. Uh, so we did write by the characters and we gave them an ending in which President Trump was featured as a character. Um, <laughs> oh. Home Alone yeah. 2 cameo. And then, <laughs> and then we ended up, and this was... It worked in the canon, but it was kind of an afterthought. We ended up making them end in a zombie apocalypse that started the Scary Dead. <laughs> Even though they'd both been running at the same time. So... The Scary Dead was set in 2019. We always established that because I wanted to be someone in the future. So we just decided that Porn Star Detectives was in the same world as the Scary Dead. <laughs> there was one character that appeared in both. And originally it was like, there was a character named Larry. And he was in uh, the Porn Stars from the beginning. He was a owner of a sex toy shop. We liked him a lot. In the Scary Dead, sometimes I forget what names I use. And I was like, oh, we'll just have another character named Larry. And the actor that played Larry in Porn Stars was like, can it just be my Larry? And I was like, <laughs> sure. Because we knew that we were going to make different dimensions. That each story set in a different dimension. And we do have characters that travel between dimensions and can tie them together when they want to. But it's not something we do all the time. And so I was like, okay, well, it'll just be a different Larry. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, this is the same Larry. After he was a porn store, sex toy shop owner, he traveled to Ohio from California and became a high school janitor and then <laughs> lived through the apocalypse and in the series finale of Scary Daddy was shot in the head and died. <laughs> However, recently, last year on the show, one of our, our main segment that travels between any time and dimension, Packer Ratcliffe, they're a mortal time-traveling duo. They're a couple and they go everywhere. Um... One of those actors was taking a six-month hiatus from the show to pursue some other projects he was working on. And he has come back, thankfully. Love him. He's one of my best friends. But we needed to balance that ticket out. And we were looking for a character to stick in as the second character. And I was like, you know, I miss Larry. So we found we had Larry taken out of the time stream before he was shot in the head. And he traveled with him in the time machine. And... Just for fun, we'd randomly thrown a Larry in our sci-fi futuristic segment once with the same actor. Just because I was like, eh, I don't need to explain this. <laughs> so when we had him travel the time machine, I decided to go ahead and retcon it and, and make that sci-fi story part of his travels. So that it was always the same Larry. And now we want to keep using Larry again. So we've devised a way story-wise... We took him in our last month's show right up to the moment he, he went back knowing he was going to be shot. He saw himself get shot before he was shot. Went back and faced his death because we're not always a comedy. We had to make him feel something. And then a group of scientists that we've done a lot with that they've developed all these really cool technologies picked him up right after he was shot in the head, healed him, gave him a bionic arm, and now we're sending him over to our superhero sketch. Oh my god. So the character of Larry lives in everything. <laughs> apparently. Uh, seemingly. The Jimmy Timmy Power Hour fan in me adores that, and then the Tarantino fan in me adores the zombie series. It's <laughs> because everyone dies in everything. I love that. <laughs> we do plan on, down the road, doing a full 80-minute special where we continue with the characters that survived Porn Stars and the Scary Dead, bring them together, and do a Mad Max-style story. Oh my god. <laughs> set in a post-apocalyptic landscape. Oh, man. Because each segment had... Both of our main porn star detectives survived in a bunker. And we had four characters survive the scary dead. So we'll bring them all together and let them do their thing. 
I love that. So is so there's just kind of the it's all been done like mixed canonical in the universe. So each segment has yeah. their own story okay. and their own universe. They're almost all set present day except for the sci-fi one. And I have worked out, I haven't put it on our wiki yet. I've, I've made a wiki because I'm having trouble keeping track at this point. <laughs> I need it to help me write, but we made it public so everybody can look at it. Um, there are 13 dimensions. We have now established there are 13 dimensions nice. and each segment lives in a different dimension. We haven't seen all 13 dimensions yet, but we've seen most of them. And they are all separate. But Packer and Radcliffe had to have a dimensional shifter, so they have occasionally crossed into other stories. Um, but yeah, most of the characters don't cross in so much. Because we just... That, to me, gets a little too messy. And I don't want to do the Marvel what-ifs as a regular thing. I don't want to just keep using the same characters. Once the show's been going 15, 20 years, maybe we'll do more of that. <laughs> but at the moment, the crossovers are limited and purposeful. Other than Larry, who just gets to be in everything. <laughs> awesome. I love that. He's uh, such a great character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would love to see it. Yeah. I want yeah. to come see one of these. You should. Um, I'm going to nerd out for a second. Sure. Do you know what SCP is by any chance? Secure, Contain, Protect? No. You've, you've heard of it. That, yeah. No? I feel like I should, but okay. I don't. If you don't, I'm not going to go further into that. It's, okay. got, it's got kind of what you're talking about, but it's like 4,000 universes. Oh, sort of. yeah, yeah, But sometimes they're overlapping, and it's like, oh, this story includes this thing, and so there are basically no rules. It's a it's a wiki. Ah, it's okay. a whole, like... Okay, uh, this will be short. Don't worry, viewers. <laughs> uh, it's a whole um, fictional wiki about this foundation that secures um, these, like... And tell me if I'm messing anything up, because you know a bit about this too, right? A little bit. Yeah. They're, they're, it's... it's uh, like I forget the word that they use, but different. They're anomalous. Object, anomalous, yeah. yes, anomalous objects that they have like in these cells, and they, you know, it's a bunch of different wiki articles about these things as if they really exist. It's it's sort of like a a more sci-fi version of like a creepypasta type thing, like but I would with agree them, with that. yeah, with them being more focused around these specific items like it'd be like the coffee cup of Blacernicus or something and it's you know a coffee cup that causes madness like it, it's an intersection of like sci-fi and absurdism and mm. there are some that are just like pure horror and stuff like that but it's yeah. just a bunch of people making a bunch of stories oh okay I'm a little obsessed with it I think it's great <laughs> Uh, I'm waiting for the TV show. Just waiting patiently. Um, <laughs> that four thousand gives me stomach aches, right? There. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Well, it's not written by the same people. You so still, it's, it's yeah. just like users will just submit to it. Okay. Like I have one on there. Sure. Oh, you so, do. Yeah, it's not great. Don't look it up. Uh, but, we need to know if it's the Gab Street pedestrian son. Oh, oh God, no. <laughs> I I wrote one about this TV show that's only on one TV, and it's like it's a or not a show. It's a news segment or a news show. For a, a local municipality that doesn't exist. And the show only exists in this one TV. And okay. they report on things that are happening, and then sometimes those things really do happen in real life. Like, they mm. predict things. So, Interesting. the idea was cool. My writing is not. It's not <laughs> polished <laughs> or anything. Um, maybe I'll put the SCP number, if I remember it later, into the description of the episode if you do really want to read all I want to read it. But um, it reminds me of Night Vale. Yeah. yeah, I never, I never listened to that. I've heard so many good things about it. It's good. But speaking of other projects, mm -hmm. podcast wise, yeah, 
Segway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I derailed us pretty hard. <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I started talking about SCP. There's nothing worse. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> so you've also done uh, It's All Been Trekked Before, Dirty Story Night, and Jerome's TV Reviews. Um, so let's let's go into It's All Been Trekked Before. I'm not huge into Star Trek. Uh-huh. I know some things about it. Uh, live long and prosper. You know, I, I know sure. all, all that. Um, but basically, what's a rundown of uh, what that show is? We watch Star Trek and we talk about it. <laughs> cool. We started. Uh, it, but <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I mean, this was really an excuse of I've seen most of Star Trek, but there was only one Star Trek series I watched all the way through, and I'd been missing. I hadn't watched it in a while. I love Star Trek, and I'd been missing it, and so I put a call on Facebook. Hey, I'm really thinking about rewatching Star Trek. Might as well do it as a podcast. Does anyone want to do it with me? And Stephen Woosley of OGP uh, Production, OG Productions reached out to me. And so he and I, and we've had a lot of other people come in and out. Uh, mainly Keith Jackson is one of my cast members has been in most of our episodes. Heath but Heather. we, I'm sorry? Heath Heather. Heath, no, <laughs> different, <know>. but <laughs> that's great. Uh, no, uh, well, we started with the first episode in 1966 and we're working our way in release order to present, we nice. are now into the first season of The Next Generation of the 80s. So we did all the 60s show, we did the 70s cartoon, we did the first few movies, and now we're in Next Gen. And it's, we thought it was going to be like a 15, 20-year project, and now there are going to be four Star Trek series on the air this year. Um, <laughs> if you watch CBS All Access, they just keep making more. So they're really good. Like, they're the best Star Trek that's been made. They're so much better than those crappy movies they put out uh, recently. But... <laughs> Yeah, uh, Star Trek Beyond was great, the other two. (laughs) But yeah, it's just an excuse for us to watch Star Trek and drink alcohol and talk about it. Oh yeah. And it's something I put no effort into promoting, no effort into (laughs) like getting it out there. It's purely for my pleasure. And if you want to listen, you can listen. If you don't, no skin on my back. I don't care if anybody listens or not. I'm going to do it anyway. There's got to be a a certain level of a little bit of... (laughs) freedom and enjoyment in that though if you're like yeah just put it out there I've got so many things I work not, on not it's nice to, it, yes <laughs> it's nice to have one and honestly the one thing that you have to do on it obviously is edit the podcast and I haven't done that in a couple of years um, because I've had other people editing it for me and now I have to take it back over here in a couple of weeks and I'm not looking forward to it oh, I know how that feels <laughs> yeah I'm like so, anybody out there want to edit it's all been tricked before let me know Jim and I it's all been done cause uh, yeah I need to farm that out to somebody else I got too many things going on and those are hour long episodes so they take a while to edit let's talk about it afterward we'll see if I'm we'll see if I'm up to the test it'll be cool how, how often do you release weekly Okay, cool. Right. We, we do do little breaks between seasons, but we tend to put a few special episodes out in between. So it's not 52 weeks a year, but it's probably 48 weeks a year, you know? Fair enough. Yeah. Cool. That would explain how you've chugged through all of Star Trek so quickly. I mean, there were 79 <laughs> of the original episodes, which is a lot. The animated, I there was more, actually. No, there was Gosh. only three seasons. <laughs> the animated, there were only like 22, 22, I think, and they're only half hours, so they were much quicker. Cool. Yeah. Jerome's TV reviews. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, I've writing is my passion. About 12, 13 years ago, uh, I had moved to a new state. I had just been married. My wife got a job down in Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky. So, we moved down there. And I did not have a job right away. Uh, I was looking for things to do. And there was a website called examiner.com. Hmm. Don't look it up. <laughs> um, not because of my writing. It's just a terrible website that pays people pennies but they were advertising we need a television reviewer in Lexington, Kentucky really they needed like they wanted 
all these different people covering all these different topics. Television reviewer had not been taken to Lexington, so I was like, I liked, I was just getting into television a couple of years before that, because until DVRs came out, I didn't watch much TV. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm enjoying television. I'm feeling like I was a big book reader. I feel like there's a lot of great writing. Why don't I write about that? That'll give me, I'll be earning money writing. First month I made a quarter. So you can, wow. yeah, it, they were, Examiner was awful. Um, but because I wrote for Examiner and I wrote regularly, like five articles a week regularly, wow. um, I got picked up by a couple other sites. And these days uh, I occasionally contribute to Blog Critics Magazine, uh, which is a great, great publication. It's online only. It's not a physical magazine. Okay. But my main thing is, uh, for the last few years, I've been the chief television reviewer for Seat42F.com. Um, guy I met on a press junket. And he was, or I think he is back in Columbus, Columbus-based. Um, but he's got people that work for him out in L.A. that are more on the scene. But yeah, he liked my writing and he pays me much better than a quarter a month. Um, and so it's just something I do as a side project. I don't write for him as much anymore because all this stuff keeps me busy. But I've reviewed, I've written a dozen or so reviews in the last few months. Uh, I've written over 3,000 reviews in the last 13 years, though. Wow. So there, was, there were a couple of years there where I was like 450, 500 reviews a year. Um, so more than one a day. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> but I figured since I'm doing this entertainment network, I might as well link to the reviews on the site because I've done it. And they ju they're just links to Seat42F because that's who I write for now, basically. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. One more project. Uh, and we don't have to go... I got tons more, so <laughs> pick one. Cool. We don't have to go too deep into this one because, uh -huh. uh, I mean, we are an explicit podcast, but, you know, Dirty Story Night. Yep. What is that? Um... It's competitive erotic fan fiction. Nice. You may know there is a podcast out there called Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction. I did not. Know. I did not. It's great. It's awesome. Uh, check it out. It's LA, of course. They do it for a live audience. And I had been listening to episodes of that as Radio Hour was getting started. And we were having after parties after every show. And we started to make them house parties instead of restaurant parties. And we were looking for fun things to do with their after parties. So we said, hey, who wants to write competitive erotic fan fiction? <laughs> um, and most people wanted to. <laughs> and so we did it for a while when we were regularly doing house parties. We did it a lot. And uh, just recorded it and decided to put up a podcast. Again, not a feed that I've spent any time promoting. But we haven't released on that feed in over a year. And it still gets good downloads. Really? Yeah. So nice. we've been talking for a while about bringing it back. Um, we haven't. We don't have a place we can just go regularly to record after a show anymore. But we are doing a, this Friday. I don't know when this podcast is coming out. But Friday, January 3rd, we're doing a live show at Mad Lab where we're going to We've got eight competitors. We were hoping for ten, so we may still add a couple. But we got eight people that are going to show up with a dirty story written. And then we're going to give them, after they perform and they're voted on, we're going to give them 30 minutes to write a second one. Wow. Uh, several of the nights we did, we did 30-minute nights where we drew a topic and then everybody had 30 <laughs> minutes. Um, those were really fun. We didn't do that all the time, but we did a couple times. So this time we're going to do both in one night. That's super that, fun. Yeah. yeah like and the podcast that. episodes are like five minutes a piece, real quick to get through, because if this is going to give us months of content, to, new content to put out. Sweet. So we're excited to bring it back, because it's just so much fun. That's cool. The goal is to do two or three of these nights a year, and that'll give us basically a full-time content. Nice. And you would release that weekly as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was released weekly, and it was said, this is the end, we're going on a planned hiatus. 
And it, if we come back, it will be for this is going to be a defined season, and then we'll take another hiatus because I'm not going to just leave people hanging to wonder if there's going to be new episodes or not. We, I, my opinion of consistency is while Radio R has released every week since we started, is you just have to have a schedule. It doesn't have to be an every week schedule, but you mm-hmm. have to have a schedule that people know about and stick with it. Yeah. That's true. So, I mean, when Radio R started, I held the pot. We didn't release the podcast for six months after we started performing. Mm-hmm. And the cast got really upset by month two or three. And we're like, like really pressuring me, like, why are you holding on to these? <laughs> like, I told you all from the beginning, we're waiting because you don't want to miss those release dates. Yeah. And we had equipment issues those first few months. We had computers crash. We had to re record segments. And if we had just tried to put it out there, it's. Uh, yeah, anybody that asks me for advice on starting a podcast, I always tell them, bank. Bank them, and don't try to be making them week to week unless your current events are news. True that. That's good advice. That is good advice. I'm currently following that, so. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you for... Yeah, it's maybe, all... Maybe the fledgling podcast <laughs> out there. No, it's all been <laughs> tracked. You. We stay at least three, two to three months ahead. So, cool. yeah. Very nice. Awesome. Well, uh, we are at about 57 minutes or okay. so. Last couple questions out here. Sure. Where can people find you and your work, and how can people support? Excellent question. Thank you. I'll say support first because that's quick. Uh, Patreon.com slash IABD supports all of our work. At the $2 level, there's exclusive content. So you don't have to give much to get stuff. $5 level, you can listen to our radio hour shows the week after we perform them, which... I told you we held it for six months. We actually are now a year behind mm. because we did enough special event shows and festivals and stuff that we got ahead. We're not going to get more than a year ahead. We just wanted to release Christmas-themed stories at Christmas and so forth. Um, so, yeah, and then there's even, if you want to donate more, there's even other cool things on there. Uh, but Radiar's website is it's all been done radiar.com. The network, which we haven't talked about at all, is it's all been done presents <laughs> found at ibdpresents.com. And that was more just I'm working with a lot of talented people. Let's combine efforts and put everything out together. Uh, you mentioned a couple of the other sh- programs on the network the Tracked and Dirty Story Night. We've got a short story writing contest. We've got another person that writes short stories regularly for us. We've got. Um, so audio dramas we produce, we've got a few different things on there, uh, but we did scale back because we were aggressive on that network and we had got some partners working with us and some partner podcasts that we were producing. And even if they weren't releasing consistently, um, all of our produced stuff was consistent, but not every partner was. And also I am super busy. I've got a two-year-old. I'm on the board of Mad Lab Theater. I've got Radio Hour. I've got these other programs. And it was, I was feeling pressure to do a certain amount of work for those other shows. Mm. And so when I needed to cut something back in my life, and we'd given this network like two years, and it was still just kind of, it was good. We want to see us top pick for the network as well for local entertainment. But nice. it, it wasn't making money. It was breaking even, but it wasn't making money. And it, I decided that that was how I was going to scale back this year because I needed to free up some time was... Drop the partners who I mostly still listen to and love and support, but just focus on what we're producing ourselves. Um, yeah. Cool. It was a hard decision, but I feel like I needed it. I yeah. was going to break otherwise. And it's important not to break. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Radio hour is always number one priority. So I got to have the time to, to focus on that, to cool. keep the quality up. Much respect for that decision. Cool. All right. Do you have any shout outs to give? Everybody in the cast. I mean, yeah. so, so special, these people that I work with. Um, 
I mentioned Nick Argenbright uh, has written for us. Samantha Stark, who you first re- talked to on Instagram. She runs our Instagram account and Twitter cool. and does so much for the network. She does a quarterly book club uh, for the network. She writes short stories. She's she's amazing all-around person. Does a lot of our social media marketing. Uh, make sure we have photos of every live show. Cool. Um, She's amazing. Uh, we've got two composers that work for the show. Ooh. They talk about that. We've got a ton of original music in Radio Hour. So we've got one guy, Nathan Haley, who mainly writes the theme songs each segment. Nice. And then Krista Green writes our musicals. And we've done a bunch of musicals as well, which is awesome. Cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, I sat down to, like, decide. We've talked about releasing an album. We haven't. <laughs> but I sat down to, like, list all the tracks we would want and all. And some of our songs have variations, so they would appear more than once. But it's we're already up to, like, 90 tracks. It's wow. ridiculous how much music has been written for this show. That's awesome. It's I, I feel extremely lucky to work with such talented people. Yeah. So Krista Green and Nathan Haley, the composers, awesome. Keith Jackson, um, he script edits for me and does tons of great... It just has a great voice. He does audiobooks for a living. Um, our narrator, Chris Allen, has been editing Radio Hour for a while and also has been editing Trek. Sadly, is not going to be editing Trek anymore, but he is going to keep editing Radio <laughs> Hour, so that's great. Um, and then everybody else in the cast. I mean, I'm not going to list them all because that would probably be boring to your audience. It's a large <laughs> cast. But there's not a single person in that cast that I want to leave. It's uh, We just lost somebody that is going to move to Georgia and try to make it as an actor and get a SAG card and and we're going to miss the hell out of him because he's been with us since the beginning but uh, we wish him the best of luck and he promised to promote us in any interviews he does for press <laughs> so um, yeah everybody that's supported us the people that have come to 54 live shows or most of them and, and you guys for having us on we really appreciate it yeah of course thank you for yeah. making the time we appreciate it yeah. as yeah. always pedestrians you know what's up. If you're on that mailing list, you know what's happening in the next two weeks. But if you're not, he's doing the point. You don't know. So, go ahead and hop on that mailing list. Go to our Instagram account. It's in the link tree. It just says mailing list. It's real simple. Just type in your email and your first name. You don't ask anything else. And you will know what's going on. Uh, that's a once a week email, so we don't spam you. All good. 